0: Farm Foundation is an outreach of the Permanent Baptist Churches of DeKalb County. Uh. Mount View Primitive Baptist Church meets in the Shiny Rob community on Old Blue Springs Road each Sunday morning at 1030. Your speaker today is Elder Ricky Arnold, pastor at the Mount View Church.
1: Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen, amen, be honor and glory forever and
0: ever, amen. I'd like to turn our attentions to the Gospel of John, chapter eighteen, and we'll start reading about verse thirty-three. Now, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came to this earth, took on the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. And when Jesus, from the time he was a babe, he knew why he came here. He had to cross the Calvary in full view. He knew exactly why he came. God had a perfect plan of salvation before the world was ever made. He didn't make Adam sin, but he knew that he would, and he had a remedy for that before he ever came here. Jesus has been arrested. He's been falsely accused because he committed no sin. He stands before Pilate, who is the Roman governor. And in verse, we'll begin in verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, said, answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell thee of me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness of the truth and everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate, asked the question. Pilate has no idea who Jesus is. And more words were spoken by our Lord and Savior to Pilate than anybody else because Pilate wanted to turn him loose. Jesus didn't come to be turned loose. He came to die. To this end... You, you say that I'm a king. Well he was king. He's king of kings. He said to this end was I born. Now here's the definition of the word end. the final determination, the conclusion of debate. This says it all, here's the end of the argument. to this end. for this is the cause. I'll get to the cause in a minute. For to this end, there's no more room for debate. This is, we've heard the final determination. This is why I came. In Isaiah chapter 53, that marvelous chapter that prophesies hundreds of years before our Lord and Savior was born, it tells that He was going to come here. It tells what He was going to do. That It tells us in verse 4 of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah... Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and after and, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned one to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all." Jesus Christ came here and my sins and your sins and the sins of every child of God were laid up on his shoulders. Somebody had to pay the penalty. God had a perfect law. Man had broke that law. Adam plunged him and all his posterity into condemnation unto death and somebody had to satisfy God. Now... In the answer to that, in, in this same 53rd chapter in verse 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That doesn't mean that the Lord Jesus cried, that God the Father took some demented pleasure in, in afflicting his son Jesus. It meant that it pleased him to send him to pay the price for you and I. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put a, put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." God the Father looked down through time knowing that He was going to send His Son Jesus to pay the penalty for His people and He said, I see the travail. I see the labor. I see the pain. I see what Jesus Christ did. And He said, I'm satisfied. God the Father was satisfied with the finished work of God the Son. And that's what it takes... That's the final determination. That's the conclusion of the debate. That God the Father was satisfied to send His Son Jesus and there's no other room for debate. There's no more room for wiggle. There's nothing to add to it. There's nothing to take away from it. God the Father was satisfied that Jesus Christ, His Son, would get the job done. Do we believe that? Matthew tells us, in Matthew chapter uh, 5, along about verse 18. Start at verse 17. The words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Himself. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, dear children, it tells us we couldn't be justified by the works of the law. Why? We couldn't keep it. We couldn't keep God's law. It plainly tells us in Galatians, if if righteousness come of the law, then Christ is dead in vain. We couldn't keep the law and there would have been no need for Jesus to die on the cross if we could. But He could for us. He kept the law to a jot and a tittle. That's why God the Father was satisfied because God the Son could do the work. There was nobody else that could. And like I said, here's the end. That's what what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said to Pilate. To this end... This is the final determination. Here's the final answer. Jesus said, I come to get the job done. Plain and simple. Now, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I won't turn there, it says, For He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Dear children, Jesus Christ was made to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? Some of the things that Brother Ronald talked about, I want to briefly talk about. Now, Jesus... Now, a lot of people will go to the Sermon on the Mount and they'll say, let's say the Lord's Prayer. Well, that's the model prayer. That's where He taught us to pray. You want to hear the prayer Jesus prayed? You read the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Now, what did Jesus say? He said... Verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 1. Let's just start there. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Who's he going to give eternal life to? The whole damn grace? No, to as many as the Father gave him. Now, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, I have glorified thee on earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, what did Jesus say? i finished the work. What did he tell Pilate? To this end. Here's the final determination. There's nothing else. This is why I came. This is what I come to do. Now, dear children, let's understand. Let's just go right over into the 19th chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus Christ is on the cross of Calvary. And he says, let's start at verse 28. And he says, And Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, Jesus Christ, now, he told them plainly, No man taketh my life from me. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. That... He tell, in the Roman letter, he tells us that the resurrection of the, from the dead declares Jesus to be the Son of God with power. Let me tell you something. The founder of every other religion, I don't care if you're following Confucius or Mohammed or anybody else, they're all dead. Jesus Christ is alive by His own power. Now, what does it tell us here? Now, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished... That the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. He knew the prophecy right down to, I thirst. That's why he said it. Because that needed to be done, Brother Paul. He needed to fulfill every word. There was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Now, brothers, and says, well, let me get one more verse of Scripture before I move on here to uh, another point. In uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Book of Hebrews chapter 9, let's start at verse 11. But Christ, being an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, dear children, it says that Jesus Himself said, it's finished. Now, I, I wrote the other day on one of my little devotions that I write. I went through several verses where Jesus proclaims. Jesus' own words proclaims. I've done the work. I wouldn't lose anything. I finished. Jesus declared it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He declared it from the cross of Calvary. He said it is finished. And it tells us in Hebrews that He obtained the eternal redemption. Now, if you got a doctrine that says Jesus has done all He can do, but now you've got to do this, dear children. You've denied what Jesus Himself said. He said, it's finished, and I believe Him. I believe that He finished what we came to do. What did He tell old Pilate? Here's the end for the, to this end. Here's the final determination. Here's the final answer. They doesn't anything else need to be done for your salvation except the blood of Jesus Christ, and that was sufficient. It didn't need anything added to it. Romans chapter 8. Let's start at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate, and to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. And there is the entire plan of salvation in those few verses. And most people will look at it and say, I don't believe that or I don't understand it. I do not believe that God predestinated evil. That, ain't, that is not what that said. I do not believe that God predestined every, every minute of every hour of every day. That's not what that said. What did it say? He determined. He loved a people before He made a people, and He predetermined He was going to save some to heaven's pure world to be like His Son. Now that's what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. What did he tell us in the prophecy back there in Isaiah? He said, God the Father saw what the Son would do, and he was satisfied. God just, We're justified in the eyes of the Father by the finished work of the Son. That's what he determined to do. That's to this end. That's what he told Pilate. Jesus said, to this end was I born. I come here to die. I come here to pay the price. I came here. I came here to set the captives free. I came here to redeem the family of God. To this end. Here's the final determination. Here's here's the conclusion. There's no more debate. Jesus paid the price. But he said something else. He said, to this end was I born for this cause. Why would God the Father do such things? What's the cause? The word cause here literally means the reason or the motive. Why would God take sinners such as ourselves and redeem them with the blood of His own precious darling Son? Well, the first answer to that is in Psalms chapter 115 and verse 3, But our God is in the heaven, and He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. It pleased God. What did He please God to do? Well, already it pleased God to bruise Him. Somebody had to pay the penalty. And God chose to do that. Now, in Romans chapter 9, people are astounded at these verses, but I'll read them anyway. Romans chapter 9 and let's begin at verse 11 for the children being not yet born neither having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth it is said unto her the elder shall serve the younger as it is written Jacob have I loved but Esau have I hated I've had good people look at me and say well now it doesn't really mean he hated Esau well if it doesn't mean what he says he might not really have loved Jacob do you ever think about that the mystery of this, dear children, is not that God hated Esau. He had the right to hate all mankind. We're, we're, we're filthy. The amazing part is he made a choice to love Jacob. That's the cause. God didn't love us because we were so good. God didn't love us because we were so lovable. He tells us that... Christ died for the ungodly. That's what He tells us. He didn't die for the righteous. You know what? There are none. And none of us deserve heaven. I've used. I say that a lot. People ask me how I am. I'm better than I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. I deserve a devil's torment for all eternity. That's what I deserve. I want grace and mercy, dear children. And dear children, the Lord Jesus died on the cross for sinners like me. That's way better than I deserve. That's way better than I deserve. Christ died for the ungodly. And dear children, I don't believe that you can explain God's love unless you understand God's choice. God chose to love us. He's not because he, 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 he says our carnal mind is an enmity against God. Everything about us by nature is a way is, is an enemy of God. And God chose to love a people. Wow, is that not astounding? Let's go over to the book of Ephesians, chapter one. Let's start at verse four. According to as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted into beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Now, what did it say? according as He hath chosen us in Him, Him being Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. It was God's great love that said, I'm I'm going to save a people. It was God's great love that Jesus Christ said, I'll come here and die to save a people. Oh dear children, how great is God's love. How great is God's love. What is they having predestinated us unto the adoption of children? That's no secret. My grandchildren are adopted. My grandson was only nine months old when he came to my son and daughter in law's home. My granddaughter is only a little over two. They didn't ask them, Brother Paul, do you want do you want to choose these people? No. My son and daughter-in-law chose to bring them in. My son and daughter-in-law, they did the work. They paid every fee. They paid every price that needed to be paid. And they adopted those children. They're their, their children. They're my grandchildren. Just as surely as they'd been born, they're my grandchildren. They chose. My, my son and daughter-in-law chose to love those children. They paid the price. And they did every legal work that needed to be done. Now, dear children, in my mind, that's a perfect picture. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came here. He did every legal work that needed to be done. He paid every price that needed to be paid. And He took in His children. Adopted from the fallen race of Adam into the family of God. All because He chose to love them. That's well, where I stand, brothers and sisters. That's, that's good news to me. In the Gospel of John, you've heard this. I hear people quote it all the time. Gospel of John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, should, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What world's under consideration? I asked that one time. Well, how many worlds are there? I'm glad you asked. Jesus, in that same prayer to Garden of Gethsemane, says, I pray not for the world, but for them that's given me out of the world. You go to the the first epistle of John and he tells us, as our instructions how we live on this this earth, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now let me ask you the question. Is the world he's talking about here? For God so loved the world, the same world that he, that he refused to pray for in the 17th chapter, and the one that He told us not to love? No, it's a, those are different worlds. Who's the world here? All that the Father gave Him. God loved Him because He chose to love Him. Now what does He say? For God sent, sent not His Son into the world, condemned the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Belief is not a cause of your life. It's an impotence. God gave you life. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Just like old Esau. He's condemned already. He wasn't. Now, understand something. I want you to see how beautiful this is. This God, this great God of heaven, I'm going to return to the 8th chapter of Romans, and I'm going to close. Jesus said, To this end was I born. Here's the final determination. Here's the final, like God, Jesus said, I've done the work. There's nothing else to be said. Why? Because He loved us. Now, the 8th chapter of Romans, and I will finish out. We read, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Verse 34, Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen, who is even at the right hand of God. We heard so beautifully that last night. Y'all be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus told Old Pilate, "To this end was I born. This is the reason I come. And that's the final determination. He's not going. You're not going to lay anything to the charge of my people. You're not going to argue anything. Any other arguments to be made? I got the job done. That's what I come to do. Why? What's the cause? Because He loved us. Isn't that amazing?" And Brother Paul, there's not anything, not all the devils in in torment that can separate Jesus Christ and His great love from one of His little children. And brothers and sisters, that gives me great comfort in in a dark and dismal world. How about you? May the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Thank you for listening. You may write to the Firm Foundation in care of Ricky Arnold, 328 R. Arnold Road, Smithville, Tennessee, 37166. And until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you, is my prayer.